Welcome to Origin Outcomes. My name is Andrew Worcester. Today's book is The Whisper Network um, by Chandler Baker. I discovered this book through the Reese Witherspoon Book Club, which I really went out searching for. Uh, back, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, the Oprah Book Club was a huge, huge, iconic deal. And it really changed authors that were kind of no-name or little-known. And it put them on a pedestal and gave them the promotion that they really needed to push over into the mainstream. And these were generally literary books or, you know, classic literature as well that she really wanted people to be aware of and kind of revisit that she felt that were important. Um, there's some, you know, self-help books as well that she she talked about on her show, not so much as far as the book club is concerned. And when she stopped doing that, there really was a hole in, in that kind of promotion. Um, and then, you know, with the Internet, there's all these kind of micro ways of being promoted. and There's so many different ways of being promoted as well. But literature in writing is a weird a weird kind of thing that's kind of gone away a little bit, and it really does need that push to become more relevant. So what I started here over the last couple of years is a few other book clubs that have spotted up, sprouted up. Um, the main ones were Reese Witherspoon's book club and then the Emma Watson book club as well. I wasn't really aware of the kind of books or the style of the book club. Um, in my head, it was just going to be uh, the next generation version of Oprah Winfrey's book club. So I wanted to pick a book from that. And this was the July selection. You know, it's called The Whisper Network. And the basic principle of the story here was, is, there's a lawyer, it's a lawyer firm in Dallas, a pretty big billion dollar lawyer firm, whose CEO dies, and that's like in the first couple pages, the CEO dies. He's an older guy. He dies. And the story becomes who's going to replace him as the CEO. And you have the story basically between three or four girls at the top who are in the legal department. And their boss, this guy Ames, is everyone's choice, is the front runner to become the next CEO. So what you hear is their feelings towards Ames and their relationship towards Ames and the complicatedness of that. Um, and it's really geared at first towards one woman in particular, Sloan, who had an affair with him. Uh, well, right, She wasn't married. She was engaged at the time. Um, but the weird part about how this was told to us as far as the, uh, the affair and the different points of the affair was, I, I don't know if this was intentional or not or, or what, the, what the reasoning behind this would be, but it was told in kind of clips. It wasn't like you didn't know her whole relationship with this guy. So you kind of were led to believe different things about what the actual truth was behind their relationship. And to me, that made it really fuzzy. And you'll find the different, more complicatedness um, of the other girl's relationship with him as well. It's, 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 termed, a, it's, it's termed as a book of a, about an office situation in the Me Too era. So uh, what, what, they're, what they're accusing this guy of and what they're, all their dialogue and all their talk is leaning towards is that he was sexually harassing them or you know he raped one of them and all this stuff that you find out towards the end. I'm gonna, I guess I'm going to spoil it somewhat because the book doesn't give you any indication besides Salone that anyone ever had any sort of sexual misconduct with them until kind of towards the end when you find out a couple of kind of big bombshells. And that's really the, the problem I had. It, it's termed, they wanted to term it as like a murder mystery, like a office place murder mystery. 
it, it really wasn't a murder mystery at all. I mean, the guy, the, the Ames dies. So basically what happens is the CEO dies initially, and then Ames dies, say, 20% into the book he dies. And then the whole book after that is trying to figure out, well, who maybe killed him or what who had the most motive to kill him or good he's dead because he was a horrible person. Or they, they made this um, list called the – they referred it to as the BAD men list. And they for, they must have referenced this 20 times in the book, always calling it the BAD men list instead of just calling it the bad men list, which is like this spreadsheet of people, of men in their work environments throughout the city that were – or the company that were inappropriate towards women. And so it, somehow along the way it got released, it got known – and then it got known who put together the list, who added the people on the list. And in internet, as it can be now, it becomes public knowledge and it becomes a big a big thing. Um, and so the, the novel isn't so much trying to tell you a story and grip you in the – like when, when, when I read the description of the book, I was like, okay, well, this is going to be like Gillian Flynn. This is going to be a, a really fascinating, intriguing murder story. And it's not like that at all. It's a lighthearted murder story about these women who are being harassed and then the guy who has been harassing them dies. And what does that mean for them as far as their guilt and how they're dealt with the situation and how they can get blamed for his being dead as well because of the list and because of calling him out as a, as a rapist, as a, someone that's um, has sexual misconduct. And I, I will give a lot of credit because there were times where the author did give you or tried to give you anyway both sides of the story so you the the women in there were hesitant towards things because they did understand the repercussions to a level anyway to a to degree of what they were doing and how that was going to affect them um, and the story what actually this guy did to them wasn't as clear to me anyway as it should be so in my head anyway as i'm reading the book i'm never sure who i should really be on the side of you know the guy's dead the women are telling the story about the misconduct and everything so at first i'm on the i'm on the women's side but the only thing against him for a long time is that he had an affair with this girl this woman when he was married before she was married she was engaged at the time and about how he like treated her differently afterwards or how like she never said he didn't like after the relationship was over he was kind of pissy about it i guess it was the whole thing or so it was it was that part was really weird because she was also at fault there too and then obviously the the whole thing about this is well that you always have to kind of um keep in mind which was hard for me was the the scope of where they were where everything was happening as it wasn't just a circle of friends that were doing this this was a high level corporate job where this stuff was happening so obviously at that kind of level both of them were horribly wrong to get in a relationship to begin with um, especially when one was married one was engaged and then have that be combative towards their relationship or toward their working environment afterwards so that's obviously horrifyingly wrong and these people are not young she was in her 30s he was in you know 40s or 50s so obviously this is just it's it just you kind of have to remind yourself of that scale because as the novel doesn't really um bring you into that world as much because it's very it's very 
just about the, the, the friendship of the girls and then the relationship with them and to the guys, a little bit of their home life as well. But it didn't really paint that picture enough for me to, to always be present as far as, okay, this is happening in this situation, which amplifies what they're talking about to a, a, a millionth degree that I lost myself. I didn't feel, I, I, I when I was getting into the story, I didn't feel the correct level of, of outrage or anger that given the premise and given the, the what the story was trying to put out there, I really felt that I should, and that was missing. And that was that was certainly missing. And at the end of it, I'm going to spoil you know some of the stuff. At the end of it, it comes out that he did even horrible stuff. Like he raped somebody. He, he raped two girls. One he had a kid with who he was paying off. And so all this stuff just happens at the end, though. Like all of a sudden, this big revelation. So, oh, blah, blah, blah. If I knew it about a piece of that in the beginning, the whole tilt of the story would totally change. I would have cared about this guy being an asshole. I would have been totally on the sides of the women and my emotional investment in the story would be up to here you know it'd be so high but it, i didn't know any of this stuff the what they told me about him being a bad guy or him being inappropriate it was it was minimal it, it was obviously inappropriate it was obviously wrong he deserved to be fired he didn't deserve his job all that stuff but you're also mirroring what they're saying he did to the fact that the guy died and in my head, I'm like, the guy shouldn't die. Like, what he did was horrible, was inappropriate. He shouldn't have his job. He shouldn't have that kind of responsibility or that kind of power over people if that's the way he's going to behave. Totally agree with that. But to almost like 75% of the book, all the things, all everything that you know is based on the fact that he had a an affair with this girl and then kind of acted inappropriately or like, you know, was kind of pissy to her after that. That's really what I knew. So my investment into the outrage or the anger of the story or kind of choosing a side was really, really blurry. And I understood the beginning of the book. I understood how the, the you know, what they, what they said the book was about, that it's an office, um, you know, office story in the Me Too era. So I understood the intention of talking about those issues. And it really was, instead of it being a, a story or a murder mystery, as they want to, you know, say, it was really a, it was a story laced with those issues so they could talk about those issues. And, and it didn't wrap you in any sort of emotion that would lead you to kind of having a different view of the, uh, a different view of those situations. Um, until, I mean, there's, I would say that's true for 85% of the book. There were some moments that were really, um, good. The main thing is towards the towards the end of the book, there's um the main girl Salone, who um is the one that initially had the affair with Ames, who's the the CEO who took over for the CEO who died, who then fell off the building. Um, her daughter and her family was that's there's a storyline about that interspersed with everything else. And that certainly was a, a, a C storyline of the whole thing, but it certainly was talked about and they certainly had some scenes with that. There was a part of that where she was being harassed at school. Now she's in grade school. I'm not exactly sure what, what age she was, but it's like 10 or 11 or 12 or something like that. Um, and she was being sent all these like crazy mixed cell phone messages and all this stuff, which is a, uh, Another issue with me with cell phones in that age and, and making having, you know, 
people have our numbers. Anyway, so my, my point is, though, it got to the point where during the height of Sloan's issues at work, when the CEO is dead, and now because they came up that there was a a list that a woman that we never interacted with put together called the BAD men list, which is basically a, a spreadsheet list of all these men who behaved inappropriately, sexually inappropriately toward women. So this was out there as a, as a thing. Ames, who is the CEO that got fell off or jumped or killed, I guess they're saying he killed himself. He jumped off the building was on this list as well. And because of this, this, because of him being on the list, they were saying that the humiliation of being put on this list without a trial, without having any real proof um, has caused him to kill himself. And because they found out that Sloan is the one that added him to the list, they were blaming her and some weird technicality of law made her responsible in some way because of that. So she's at the height of this trying to figure out how to battle that. And the train, the strange thing about that too, is there's the whole thing is in a lawyer's office. It's like, it's a corporate lawyer office. And so all these three women, the main three women are all lawyers and so this situation comes up, and they have no freaking clue how to handle it. They have no idea of how to uh, come up with a defense or anything. They do all these actions leading up to it that cause this whole um, clusterfuck. And then when it comes to detangling it or lawyering up or putting on a defense for themselves or gaining evidence, they are totally inept. They're supposed to be billion-dollar corporate lawyers, and they have no idea how to defend themselves. That maybe was the most angry part of the whole book. The whole book for me was to to after this whole thing. It's supposed to be this big, interesting murder mystery. There's no build up. There's no emotional involvement into it. And he's like, okay, well, maybe it's not a murder mystery. Maybe it's a courtroom drama now because these people are lawyers and they're gonna know how to defend themselves. And then it gets to that point, and they don't have any idea how to defend themselves. They just lay down pretty much. They accept their fate. This is what it is. I guess it is. I guess. I guess I can't do anything. I'm going to lose my house and I'm going to be, they're going to be fined or like $5 million and lose all their stock options and have a scarlet letter on their chest. So they're not going to get any decent jobs anymore. Really, really, really bizarre. It really made you mad when you're reading it because it's like everything that the book you would think it should be like the way everything was described as far as their intelligence, as far as their aptitude, as far as what they've, the position they've gained through college and experience and not knowing how to deal with that. Unfreaking believable to me, really unfreaking believable. Anyway, so go back to the daughter thing, which is, this is a, I'm, I'm railroading a little bit, but this is the point I really, I kind of did like. So what happened in the middle of this in the height of this, where she's going to get, you know, have to sign paperwork to be fired like in two days or something. She gets a call from the principal. So she doesn't answer it at first, and then she finally gets a message. She runs down to the school. Her daughter's in the principal's office. And the situation that happened with her daughter was she had punched this boy twice in the face and bloodied up and maybe broken his nose or whatever. So the mother of the boy is there. He's all, his face is all busted up. The principal's there. The other girl's there. The daughter's there. And um, the wife shows up, and the husband shows up, and they're talking to them about the situation. And the most poignant part and the most beautifully written part and the most lawyer kind of defense part comes here where when she asked the daughter why she had punched him in the face and what he had done was he kept on calling her names. Like I forget exactly what he said to her. 
she told the teacher. It's like, look, you know, he's he's calling me these names. He won't stop. You know, could you help me? Teacher's big advice was um, ignore it. He'll leave you alone. Amazingly, the boy doesn't leave her alone after she tries to ignore him. And what he does is he actually reaches under her pants and kind of gives her like a wedgie and kind of pulls her underwear up over her pants. And then everyone's making fun of the underwear she wears or whatever. When he does that, when he has his hands on her underneath her pants, she punches him twice to get him off her, to make him stop. And that is the reason why they find themselves in the principal's office with her getting in trouble. When the truth of this comes out and the kind of the clear reason of why she punched him comes out, the mother, Sloane, goes at everybody. And it's, it's like, you know, how... And it really... Everything that they had talked about beforehand in kind of vague terms that I, I didn't really like about how they expressed things because it was too wishy-washy for me when they, you could tell it was right under the surface what they really wanted to say or really what they want to feel or how I wanted to feel. Maybe, you know, maybe not. It's just the characters. Given the situations of what they're talking about and their reactions to the situations, I wanted it to be stronger. I wanted it to be more emotional. I wanted to feel the anger or the scare, being scared or the being hopeless or helpless in this situation. I want to feel that emotion of what happened to the women. I never felt that way though. They always is a layer protecting us from that. And because of that, I never got emotionally involved or invested in these women because I didn't know enough especially until the very end when they kind of just, anyway, so to finish the story real quick of the daughter. So Salone then goes at the principal and the boy and everything about how we really, it, I, I'm not going to I can't, she really wrote it well. And, and it was basically the point of it was there's a systemic problem in how we deal with situations. And that, that can lead to a couple different areas, but in the way of sexual harassment, us understanding punching someone in the face is wrong. Someone giving someone a wedgie or kind of messing around with somebody it becomes kind of a gray area that we kind of think, oh, kids are kids or, you know, boys are boys. And we don't put the significance in those incidences that we do with, say, someone punching them in the face. And we are just, we're programmed because we're programmed that some things are okay and some things aren't okay. And it's it's a it's a blurry line, but it really, the way she said it really woke me up to the whole you really got to question how you act towards things because people interpret things differently. People have different comfort levels and there's certain things, especially now you just can't allow them to do. And that incident with her daughter really kind of put that home and it kind of shone a light on all this stuff as adults that they were just accepting as far as her daughter at 11 or 12 wasn't acceptable. And it was, you could understand why there's a gray line there too. But when it was pointed out, when it was in your face, you understood why it shouldn't be a gray line. And this is very black and white. You know, people that retaliate to something tend to get in trouble or the person that caused something tends to get away with it. And that's kind of a backwards situation with our culture that we need to kind of fix and correct and be aware of. So with that moment shining on the, what happened to the daughter in the situation 
and then using that as for me anyway i use that as a mirror to what had happened you know throughout the whole story really was kind of a powerful moment to me but it was so that was about 85 90 percent away to the, the to the to the end of the story uh, to finish up the story there was pretty much their fate was sealed they were going to be go to jail they weren't going to go to jail but they were going to sign this non-disclosure agreement they're going to have to pay five million dollars they're going to lose their jobs and their stock options and all this crazy stuff like they're going to be financially ruined their life was never going to be the same um and then by chance the cleaning lady who was in and out of the story is kind of like almost a, a set piece so you kind of you knew who she was but you really didn't know what the point of her was which is kind of a um what the story did a lot of the times it kind of had people or had situations show up just so they could progress or explain something that they hadn't set up or didn't understand a better way of of positioning into the story there's a lot of things that seem just kind of force fed to kind of get a point across or get a plot point moving um, no fluidity to the story at all with that so anyway the, the the cleaning lady rosalita comes in and it finds out that her kid who was just part of a kind of a side story to how the women's world were and how they treated different people it turns out that ames had raped her the guy that was going to be the new ceo and then quote unquote fell off the building and the kid was his and they were able to prove that by um, extra money that she was getting paid since that happened. So the kid was about nine. So for the last nine years, she'd been paid all this extra money. And the reason for that was at the, when the, that situation happened, when she got pregnant, when she confronted him about it, Ames, the lawyer, was in the middle of a billion-dollar deal to close for the company. So the then-CEO, the CEO that died way back in the very beginning of the story, had covered up for him. And put this payment plan in place. And so then all the dollars fall over and everything changes. And they win the case and they're able to form their own practice. And they obviously leave that firm. Um, doesn't really say what they want as far as the settlement is concerned. Um, which is another part that's kind of aggravating. Because they did have the terms of what they were going to have to sign. When they were kind of getting blamed for causing Ames to kill himself. But when they found out that he, they didn't kill him. And when they found out he was a horrible person and all the, all everything they said about him was true and then some, they didn't explain what they got for a settlement from that. And then so the story ends with the three girls sitting in like a coffee shop restaurant kind of thing, going over everything, all the craziness that's happened over the last week or something. And now that everything's all set or whatever. And we finally find out, you know, I'm, I'm this towards the end, you know, only a handful of pages left. I'm like, well, what's going to, you know, this must be a murder mystery. Like, that's the way it's described. And so far, it's all these people, I guess, could have done it. And there's some possibilities and could have done it. And there's some holes of what actually happened. And there, you know, a little bit of foreshadowing of, oh, well, this person was there. This person might have done it. This person had motive. All this stuff. So the, the whole thing about who murders someone is kind of like a big reveal in a story in a murder mystery and this kind of thing. So at the very end, the three of them are sitting around talking about how they're going to set up their new practice, talking about where they're going to 
rent space for their their practice. And he finds out what happened and how Ames actually fell off the balcony. And it was one of the girls who I had a it's it's so <laughs> one of the other girls there's there's three of the main girls and then there's one other girl Catherine who was kind of the new pretty object that came in who Ames kind of went to. And for some reason they were I forget exactly how she why she was up there or whatever, but she was on the balcony with him talking to him about I think she had made a couple advances and she was trying to say, set the record straight that she wasn't interested, please leave me alone. This isn't blah blah blah. And she had some backstory too that made it hard for her to kind of speak up for herself because her last job ended in kind of disgracefully as well. So what happened with that was he what kind of after her, not and not like sexually, but kind of aggressively, violently went after her on the balcony. Kind of was wrestling her, wrestling with her for a minute. And this other girl, who I guess was watching, or I don't, I forget exactly why she was near the, near the situation at the point, but she saw that and kind of intervened. And in their aggression of trying to get Ames away from this girl Catherine, there was a little bit of a struggle with them. And she was kind of pushing free from him. And then once he got, once she got free from Ames, she gave him a, like a second push. And that's the push that made him fall over the, the balcony. And that was the, that's how he died. And this is a re- revelation um, at the end with these three people. And it was kind of a, the reaction from the women were all, they all thought they had did something wrong. They all kind of blamed themselves for everything as well. So, I mean, that was kind of a, to me, a very anticlimactic way of doing it. And they have this whole thing about how she had, um, she went to like a, pay- what was it exactly? Some payment authorization form that she got signed by someone and they signed it like five minutes wrong. So that's why it she had an alibi. And I'm thinking to myself, if they're in, so this is this is how it ends. It's pretty much fade to black after the that big revelation. And I'm I'm I've done the book and I'm thinking about the book a little bit, and I'm thinking about how she just totally uneventfully or interestingly explained the murder that we've been waiting the whole book to kind of figure out what happened to him. And I'm thinking there's cameras in freaking every if you're in a corporate office room or situation, there's cameras everywhere. What the heck? Why aren't there cameras? There would be cameras there. You, you'd be able to see who was where, whether it's in the elevator or in the hallway. I mean, maybe not in the whole room, but you would be able to see where these people were. And you'd be able to see that Catherine and Artie had went into the same place that Ames had gone to. You knew when he died. You knew when he fell off the building. You could watch the video. There's probably 20 feeds of that area that you can see. But that wasn't even mentioned. That, that whole concept of an idea wasn't even brought up and I'm thinking to myself I haven't worked in the most fancy buildings all my life but I've had a couple of jobs where I've in you know a big city that has these elements in place and you can't get away with anything and it's not even the, the not even necessarily the company but the person that owns the building is gonna have that information I mean if, if you're the company that owns that info, if you're the company I mean if you're the company and you control the building and then you would still have the video feed and in this situation your pick for the ceo would have been the one who died 
So everything was the company versus these three girls who accused this guy who ended up dying of sexual misconduct. So the company's interest would be to figure out what the real reality of it was. They're not trying to erase tape here so no one else that the people that they want to protect will be helped out or saved. It's just the opposite. Yet the revelation is that these two people went in there. There's actually three of them. One was even before this. But the final, the final time on the balcony, two of the main four people that they were talking to throughout the whole story, questioning, trying to figure out what happened in this situation that they didn't just dismiss as a suicide. And you didn't quite understand that for a long time either. There's so much vagueness in the story. It really made you annoyed. It didn't like make you, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. She's like, tell us what's going on so we can actually be invested in it. There's a big difference between giving you just enough information to keep you interested and just being so vague that you don't even care what's going on because you're not invested in the story at all. And that was a huge, huge issue with the story for me. Huge, uh, really bothered me, actually, for a long part of the story. But the ending really just struck me too because there would be video of, if not the, the whole of him falling off the building, there would be a video of people going into the building and leaving that balcony. So where is that? How come that's totally not even talked about? Very, very, very frustrating. Um, so I, I went back and I, I saw Reese Witherspoon's post about this being a selection for her book club. Uh, she did call it a beach read which is something that I didn't really um, look into either, which I probably should have, just to kind of understand what kind of book it would be. Um, back in the, the early 2000s, I think there was maybe a little bit before then, there's a genre of, of fiction called chiclet, which became um, almost a slur later on just because it kind of enveloped into all women writing, which it was never intended to be that way. It was more for like Sex in the City kind of authors and style of writing, which would be more of a, a beach read. It would be like James Batterson would be whatever dude writing or something. You know what I mean? Like whatever you want to do. Like it's a the style of book is geared towards women with women's issues, with women's protagonists and women's situations. And the idea of it being like that's fine. You can be like that's one aspect of it. The aspect that makes it the chiclet is that it's also set to be on like read during a beach or during a vacation. When you don't want to get, when you don't want something that's too intricate or too complicated, that you have to pay strict attention. Um, I read a book recently called "Was It Called?" On Earth, we're briefly gorgeous, and I enjoyed the book a lot. But it was a book that you had to pay attention to. You had to really invest in reading it and do your time into reading it properly. Because if you didn't, you weren't you you could you knew you weren't getting what, as much as you should have or much as, as much that was there. And there's some books like Whisper Network that are just kind of a flighty, um, kind of comedic women's issues book. And that's what it is. It's not, I mean, uh, there's problems with it. There's anger I had towards some of the, how those plotted. Um, the, the woman comes from, uh, the author Chandler Baker comes from a young adult background. So she wrote a couple pretty successful from what I, what I was reading about those books, pretty successful books um, in the young adult genre. This was her first book attacking um, adult women's issues. And I'm not sure how well it's done. I mean, being on this book club certainly gives it a nice um, little promotion, a nice little um, 
awareness factor for it. Um, it's got me to read it, me to buy it, which I am not the audience clearly for the book. Um, and so that's my, my point, I guess now is I understand Reese Witherspoon's book club more. I'm going to have to understand Emma Watson's book club more. I do want to have a more of a focus and more of a, see what people are recommending and what people are reading. I have my niches and what my point of some of this podcast is, and these videos are going to be is to expand my own worldview and to go to these books as something that I would never read, never pick out, never necessarily be a, a forefront, but see what I can learn from them and see why people are buying them and why people are reading them and why people are on the scale of Reese Witherspoon, uh, known Academy Award winner movie star, someone who I've followed for 25 years, why she would put this book out there. And I know there's a lot probably of business reasons as well as a publisher paying her to do things. Um, I never got that sense with Oprah Winfrey. I was I was way too young maybe to understand that part of it or you know too naive to understand the that. Um, maybe now I'm too cynical to believe it could be anything else but that now. So, I mean, as you look into that, I should learn. Uh, you have to – you can have your own ideas. I always say you, you can have an opinion but it has to be an educated opinion and you have to you know learn the facts before you hold too true to that opinion on certain things. So I can certainly think – that something like Reese Witherspoon's book club is all paid for promotional books that she's just recommending and putting out there in the world. Uh, or it, but until I know that for a fact, the other flip side, which is totally opposite could be, Hey, I got an advanced copy of this because books, you know, at this point, you know, when I worked at a bookstore, we got a lot of arcs, they call them advanced reader copies, trying to get promotion for the book before it's actually released. I'm sure at her level, even before she started a book club, She'll get a handful of those. And it could be some, a situation where she got it. She read it. She liked it. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna put this out there. I'm going to give this a little boost. I'm going to use my influence to help this book because I believed in it. I liked it. There's something about the book that struck me. And um, the Me Too element is there. I mean, it, it does talk about that. Um, I find that subject is sensitive enough and important enough. It has to be done in a certain delicate emotional investing way and it really has to and, and this book did try to show you both sides it showed you why these people were scared to bring up stuff about being harassed and about how the system failed when they did and about how there was some weird area of responsibility that they felt as well for being part of the situation um which was there in some of it, in some of the women's interactions, but in some of the women's interactions, it wasn't there at all. And that's the, they left, as much as they talked about that a little bit, to me, they left that a little too blurry as far as there's a, there's sexual, sexual mis, there's levels here. Sexual misconduct, there's sexual harassment, and then there's sexual assault. And those are three different things. And we need to understand them as different things. None of them are acceptable, but there are three different things. And that's the part we have to kind of get to. And the big thing for me was the whole systemic issues of how things are reported, how things are believed, and how things are dealt with after they're reported. It's just all sorts of messed up. And it's it's I don't know how you do that as far as a overall government, federal level. I don't think that happens that way. I think certain companies have to be aware of things and put things in very specific place 
where there's conversations and there's discussions and there's zero tolerance and no matter what the level it is and it's hard when you're when you're a important person we're dealing with billion dollar deals it's really really hard and I, for the longest time those people will get away with stuff and not just to i mean to women to men to anyone that's under them that power was absolute because of the fact that they were controlling so much money and in business you can't get the money out of things because that's the key that's holding everything together that's what's paying for everyone else's salaries these big things the difference what i have with that is though people might have a talent for that or might be good at that if they're acting these ways they are certainly not the only person that can do the job and it might not be the easiest thing to find the replacement or to kind of um have the same success or have the same you know understand how to teach someone that role but it's paramount for the integrity of the company and the overall health of the company a to b top to bottom i mean that's to me that's the idea of having a strong company is having the top people being the most integral integral and having those top people be the most accountable for the whole company and all the employees because that's what's going on with there when you're in charge when you're the leader you're responsible for all of them and just because you're brokering the big deals or you're making all this money because of that your responsibility should weigh you down every freaking night because your responsibility is to all those people those all those people are helping you in your cause but you're the one that's watching over them and taking care of them as that top person and when that job and that responsibility is not taken seriously, then screw you. You don't deserve it, and you should be replaced, and you should someone else should be put in that position that can do the job as well. Because we all can talk to people, we all can know, study the law, and get that you know knowledge in our systems as well, and find those loopholes and work that little extra harder to find that little nuance that will make you know a couple of five million dollars more into the deal. That's all doable, but if you don't start at first with that leadership quality of integrity and responsibility, then, you know, that that's what else, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? So the book is called Whisper Network um, by Chandler Baker. It is the new Reese Witherspoon book club pick of the month. Um, that was my opinions on it. Um, I read it for yourself. Love to know your comments. See what your thoughts are. My name is Andrew Worcester, and this has been Origins and Outcomes.